ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, How's everyone going? Iron Overload.io Hardcore episode 34. Steven the Mobster. And we're going to talk about in this one, best way to bulk without gaining body fat or water weight. So this is a great one. So we have Mobster here. And Mobster has been very successful over the years, not just with himself, but also training other people, both on the forum and in person, and working out with them. And he's going to basically give you the best tips in this one to bulk without gaining body fat or water weight. So... It's very, very important, no difference. How many times do we see in the gym guys walking around and with with tight shirts and they have a big, big belly? They have, they have bloated, bloated face, and and um, it looks like shit, you know, being being bloated like that. So we want to bulk. We want to put on muscle, right? But we don't want to look like a bloated mess at the same time. So let's start it off, Mobster, with the first topic, and I'll bring you in right away. Talk about lean bulking. Talk about what it is and the differences. Right, guys, so we could talk about dirty bulks. We could talk about what the typical bulking. In fact, we've done that on a previous podcast. But lean bulking for me is more specific. So what do I mean when I figured about lean bulking? You are manipulating as much as anything else. And I want to be specific when I talk about a diet in a little while. The protein. And you're not just upping your calories in some sort of generalized haphazard kind of way. Uh, so, for example, and again, you guys, please come on the forums and check this out. We've got two or three uh, mem- members right now running logs who are planning on competing this year. And myself and many other members and mo- mo- uh, moderators, etc., are watching, reading these uh, logs and passing comment from time to time with regards to especially the diet. And, of course, what these individuals are looking to do is add muscle, good, solid, hard muscle. And at the end of the cycle, at the end of the log, be on stage, ripped and dry. What they don't want to be doing as they're doing the cycle, which might work perfectly well for someone that's not concerned with lean gains, is be in shape. Now, again, guys, we have on our forums uh, models, people that get in shape for photo shoots. And they don't have to be big, muscular individuals but they might want a little bit more show. They might want a little bit more pec mass. So what do they want to do? What they need to do, and again, is 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 gain a little bit of muscle as opposed to typical bulking, which is muscle and a little bit of body fat. I would say it's probably about a 70, 30, maybe an 80, 20 ratio, Steve. Sometimes body fat and or fat in the diet become to be muscle sparing. And especially what I would concern bulking in the off-season, typically the colder winter months for most people, and working with nature, which I've also covered in previous podcasts, versus those summer. And and, and again, you can even do what's called growing into a competition, which is when you allow your body weight to reduce off-season, and then you increase your muscular body weight. So all of those kind of encompass what I think of as lean bulking. Ultimately, Steve, it's gaining muscle, above and beyond gaining muscle and fat. So what do you think of as lean bulking? 
Yeah, so you know, we've talked about this on prior podcasts. There's a difference between, you know, someone who starts off using steroids and they're like, Well, I want to completely change my physique quickly. And someone who says, you know what, over time I'm gonna do it. Now, let's be honest, most people they want quick results. And if they don't get quick results, they'll quit on the gym entirely. They'll quit, they'll just yeah. give up. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's really important to realize that if you want long-term good quality gains, it's going to take time. If you want short-term gains, it's not going to be quality. So I can tell you to go take lots of testosterone, lots of DECA, lots of Anadrol, whatever, right? And then yep. go to the buffet, overeat, and trust me, you'll put on a ton of strength. You'll put on a ton of weight. But it's not going to be quality. Or I can tell you just to do it more patiently and you can put on good quality weight, eat healthy foods, but eat muscle building foods, your vegetables, your organ meat, your bone broth, your fruits that are full of vitamins and minerals and electrolytes. A lot of people are scared of fruit. Fruit is great. Okay. They're a great carb to get in your body. They're full of nutrition. Stay away from the process crap. So, I mean, these are these are things. So, what you put in your body is very, very important. Stay away from restaurant foods. Stay away from fast food. You know? So, these are all things that you need to kind of change if you want to put on good, lean bulking. Um, you're not Look, you're not going to put on muscle, at least quality muscle, eating Pop-Tarts and pizza every day. You're, not, you're just not. So... And if you are, I can't imagine what you would, what kind of damage you would do if you actually ate right. So that's that's kind of the perspective I would say on this mobster. So chime on that a little bit, and we'll move on, move on to the next one, but buddy. Something I want to talk about when it comes to gains, guys, and I've touched on this, especially on the forums, is the amount you're going to gain per year, typically on or off PEDs. And honestly, guys, it is not as high as you think it is. And it's certainly not as high as we will occasionally read in magazines or on the forums, especially on other forums or on Facebook or social media or whatever else. You will occasionally hear a crazy numbers that I did this cycle and I gained 12 pounds. I gained this, I did this cycle and I gained 15, 20 pounds and so on and so forth. And it's actually going to touch on something which I'm going to talk about in a minute, which is that combination of fat and occasionally water and talking about some people that gain 20 pounds Steve as we know is extremely rare I would say almost never happens that that 20 pounds is all lean muscle tissue in reality it's a combination of some lean muscle tissue fat and water in the and the reality of the average and I include myself here Steve I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, what's I weigh? And sometimes I resemble that person that Steve too refers to. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm way more of a strength athlete, which means I'm a bit more bulky than your typical lean bodybuilding uh, listener. So what am I talking about here when it comes to these things? It's three pounds, Steve. Three pounds. Me and you talked about this a bunch of times. You ask Steve what he thinks is a good game per cycle three pounds four pounds five pounds it is not 20 pounds now that can be incredibly frustrating if you are vastly underweight and you want to be 
bigger and more muscular. And you want those fast gains that Steve referred to earlier on. But the reality is my gains have been average. For the size that I am right now, for the weight that I am right now, Steve, my gains have been average. And especially when I've my first few cycles, my on-cycle gain typically after the cycle, what I retained would average to around six pounds a year. And my off-cycle natural gains per year with me obviously working progressively with the weights and looking to get bigger and tweaking my diet came up to about three pounds a year. Now that doesn't sound much, but I've been training for four decades. So if you do the math, guys, you go, right, three pounds a year for four decades, 40 plus years is 120 pounds. On cycle, six pounds. If you average those two figures, you get four and a half pounds a year for 40 plus years. So in my case, patience has definitely been a virtue because I started when I was age 18. I started lifting at age 15, at age 18. I started keeping notes and diaries to do with my training, to do with my weight, and I was 175 pounds. I sit at around now, a not lean, it must be said, 320 pounds. But that that's that, that gain per year, getting comfortable with that, not being in a rush like Steve said. And the difference, again, I want to touch on here, Steve, the difference between what we call dry gains, which is slightly different from lean bulking, in so far as you don't get watery. Now, some steroids, and again, this can be diet-related, and there's a, a degree of estrogen control here, which we're going to touch on uh, at the end of this podcast. If your estrogen gets out of control, your water can get out of control. If your water gets out of control, you're going to look soft, even if you're rock hard underneath. You're going to have blood pressure issues. So it's that lack of fat and that lack of water that makes what we call a dry gain. And again, being comfortable with the idea for the typical listener, the typical user of three, four, five pounds a year. I know that you've said this before, Steve. What do you think about what you people not being in a rush and what a typical gain consists of? Yeah. So I mean, if you set a goal to make to gain two pounds of good quality muscle tissue. Per yes. year, after 10 years, you'll put on 20 pounds of good quality muscle tissue. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, and, um, you know, there's a difference between gaining muscle because our muscle is mostly made up of, of water anyway, and gaining muscle tissue. Muscle tissue is going to be keepable. Muscle tissue is going to be hinging on body memory. So even if you take a couple of years off from weight training, you know, some, you know, shit happens in life, you know, your gym might close, you might get a divorce, you might have a kid in the first year, it's absolute hell, you're not sleeping, baby's crying all night, whatever, you can come back, and you'll make all your gains back, because that muscle tissue, that muscle memory is there. So long term gains are keepable for that reason. So this is why you see guys in their 40s who have been training for 20 years, their muscles look different than a guy who's been training for six months who's 20 years old. Even if that 20-year-old has taken a bunch of steroids and they've abused the shit out of their body and they've put on a ton of weight quickly in yeah. the past yeah. year, they'd look different than a 40-year-old who has been in the grind for 20 years and has done this slowly. So it's quality muscle, and it really makes a difference. This is why also you see guys in the gym, the strongest guys in your gym, they're usually in their 50s. They're usually mobsters yeah. generation. You know, 50 to 55 area. Those are the strongest guys in the gym, not 20 to 25, 50 to 55, because they've been doing it a long time. 
So the body and muscle memory kicks in. And in pro bodybuilding, the pro bodybuilders who are winning, they are not young. They are usually uh, the, you know, the older, they're usually older um, in age. Hottie, who just won the the, uh, Mr. Olympia, is 35 years old. He's not 25, he's 35. Brandon Curry, he's 40. Big Rami, 38. Big Rami won it two, two straight years. 38 years old. He he's not he's not 28. He's 38. So it it really is an advantage. The 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 older you get, the the more of an advantage it is. You get that gnarly, grainy, dry look that comes with what's called muscle maturity that you don't get with the softer, uh, less mature, younger muscle looks. So there's definitely an argument to be made there, Steve. Something else I want to touch on when it comes to uh, bulking without gaining body fat and water weight is the importance, and I really got to underline this and emphasize is the importance of diet above all. We've done a podcast not that long ago entitled, and I'm sure some of you will have heard this already, If It Fits Your Macros. And there's an argument to be made for a handful of individuals, and I mean a handful of individuals, a tiny percentage of you who can seem to get away with eating whatever you like. Uh, because of how you process food, how it it goes through your body, how you absorb it. In reality, the great and vast majority of us, and I'm including the top genetic freak pro bodybuilders you can think of, and I've touched on, I've used his name multiple times, Dexter Jackson, you cannot eat crap. You cannot, if it fits your macros, and expect the gains you're going to get to be of quality if you don't control the fat intake. And some fat is always going to be useful, as you know, Steve. If you don't have... And a, a good grasp of what you're putting into your body. And again, we see this where, where the carbs are getting out of control and just tweaking the carbs and the difference between a quality carb and a poor choice of carbohydrate. The same thing with regards to protein. You cannot expect, for example, Steve, as you know, to go to McDonald's and have a burger in a bun with sauce on and fries with covered in salt. And that would be your bodybuilding diet. And expect the results to be as good at as good as a dry tricking best and boiled rice and all the typical bodybuilder type foods. Now, again, if professional bodybuilders at the the absolute best genetics on the planet can't get away with eating shit or poorly, and that's a, a much nicer, more polite way of saying it, then you cannot either. And again, it's that thing between out of control eating and bulking up and gaining some muscle or the top point of this podcast of course lean muscle bulking with that a gain of body fat and with water and on the water thing steve and i'm because i'm going to talk about estrogen control at the end i also want to say some and i probably suffer from this now as an older lifter more so than i did when i was probably able to get away with eating more when i was younger there are some foods that I do not respond to as well as I did when I was less older as I am now. And one of those, for example, Steve, is milk or dark chocolate. If I take that, it upsets my stomach. If it upsets my stomach, I'm going to bloat because that's the effect that having that upset on the stomach is going to have on me. I'm going to hold more water. Now, if I was super lean and I took uh, chocolate of the kind that I can't eat, then you're going to see there's going to be a film of water. There are some of you out there that are super lean, for example, and I just use a, a very, very popular uh, uh, supplement that I enjoy 
It was just creatine. And and what I've seen is if you're super lean already and you exceed your daily dose of creatine, or if you bring it in when you uh, haven't been using it for a while, and again, you are ripped and dry already, some of you will get a film of water. That is your body responding to a outside ingredient, an outside food in a particular way as to have you hold water when you don't want to hold water. So again, guys, the importance of nutrition, the importance of control, and even stuff which I've touched on in previous podcasts of just upping your calories by a couple of hundred a day to see where the gains begin. Where am I? What do I need on a daily basis? Let's say that I need 3,000 calories, but I want to gain two or three pounds of quality muscle tissue, like Steve said, even three or four pounds of quality muscle tissue. How much more do I need? I don't need another 1,000 calories. I probably need between four and 500 per day of quality ingredients. What do you think, Steve, when it comes to the importance of diet and gaining without gaining more fat or water weight? Yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, if you're eating a meal and you're bloating afterwards, and the next day you eat a meal and you bloat afterwards, and the next day you eat a meal, like, why would you keep doing something that's not working? It's This is one of the things that I find weird and like 80, 90% of people think, well, everyone else is, is, I see all these advertisements for fast food restaurants and, and all this crappy food on TV. So it must be good. I see athletes promoting it. So it must be good. I see bodybuilders promoting horrific supplements, uh, these whey protein products that they're promoting i mean if you look at what's in them it's all chemicals it's chem it's sugars it's chemicals it's horrendous and but people will still consume it because marketing works marketing works big time the worst supplement for that particular thing that steve just reminded me of is weight gainers steve the high calorie weight gainers. I've I've used something like this way, way, way back in the day. I'm thinking of 1980 something, 83, 84, 82 maybe, uh, where uh, I didn't realize because of my lack of experience and lack of knowledge at the time, just how much sugar I was putting into my body. I used a product which doesn't exist anymore, guys, so I think I'll be okay with naming it. Weeders Weight Gain Number 7. It was kind of famous at the time. And it was probably one of the few that we had available to us in the UK. It consisted of two ingredients, pretty much two ingredients. Uh, one was skim milk powder, which was okay. We didn't have access to whey protein, et cetera. Then, and it's reasonably high, I think 26, 27% protein, something like that. The rest would probably be carbohydrate. And the rest of the product, Steve, was pretty much flavoring and sugar. Now, the weight, weight gainers, 2,000 calorie, 3,000 calorie, 4,000 calorie mega mass type products that we used to produce again back in the day in even 90s and 2000s. It's the sheer volume of sugar, guys. And I get it. If you're six foot tall and 160 pounds, and we've seen people like that occasionally come onto the forums where they are desperate to gain weight. The issue really is that their diet is incredibly poor and they need to learn to eat. Sometimes they get actually uncomfortable with the volume of food that's required, multiple meals per day, and so they find it a lot easier to drink. But these weight gainers are horrendous. The skin milk powder on its own would probably be okay, Steve. But with the addition of a 
another 2,000 calories of sugar. It's just unbelievable. And and again, I'll give you another thing, guys, and this sometimes happens with the water weight stuff. You can literally, as I said earlier on with the chocolate, you can have um, flavors that are added to some of these products, even really good supplement type products, even lean gainer type products, where you are, you're going to have an allergic reaction to a flavoring or a sweetener or whatever else. So you've got an actual lean gainer, specifically created a product, and there's something in there that's just going to bloat you. So the importance of diet cannot be emphasized too much in this uh, podcast, Steve, in, in terms of, right, guys, go online, and there are websites that literally list the 100 or 200 most common foods that Americans and the UK uh, individuals will eat. And they have the nutritional breakdown of all of those things. You've got no excuse for not knowing. Learn to read labels if you are buying label type products. The ideal situation would actually be pure ingredients. What do I mean by pure ingredients? You're not buying something like a already mashed potato. You are buying the potato and cooking it yourself, preparing it yourself. You are buying the chicken breast and preparing it yourself. You aren't putting sauces in there. You are controlling it and you're not doubling up or tripling up on your calorific intake or your protein intake or your carb intake or your fat intake. You don't just throw everything at it and grow and expect it to be a lean gain. It really doesn't work like that. So it's super, super important. And, and again, I don't think in this day and age, Steve, people have got really, really got an excuse not to learn how to cook. There's a million videos on YouTube, not to learn how to read labels. Guys, if you're training, if you're reading about what lifting, if you're reading about steroids, then you should have the same kind of knowledge and an application to learn about nutrition as you do about the stories, as you do about the training. There's no excuse not to. And there's a ton of information on our forums and on the internet. So learn it because it's probably, and again, if you talk to top professional bodybuilders, the least, the lowest figure that they put for when it comes to your nutrition versus your training versus your PEDs is they say that nutrition, as often as not, is 80 percent training is 10 to 15 percent and your pds are five percent that's how important diet is that's how important your knowledge of diet is and that's why you need to know and again for lean gains up it four or five hundred calories make those four or five hundred calories can be broken down into the macronutrients fat protein and carbs and just tweak it a little bit to see what happens and see the changes that your body is going to get into without being in too much of a rush. Now, let's talk about what we call the best steroids, Steve, for lean gains, in your opinion, and I might chime in from time to time. So it, it just depends on, on the person. Um, you know, DECA, for example, most of you are going to take DECA, and you're going to have a ravenous appetite. So if you're the type of person, you binge eat a lot, DECA, you can get on DECA, and you can just put on a lot of sloppy weight quick because you're going to be wanting to eat a lot of food. And you're never you're never going to be satiated. But on the flip side, if you're a person who has poor appetite as it is, DECA could be wonderful for you because it could balance you perfectly. Where you would take DECA and you would put on good quality lean muscle mass because then you're going to be wanting to eat a good quality diet. So it really depends on the person. But um, you know, look, lean lean muscle mass. I think Equipoise very flexible because with Equipoise you can. You can hit your cardio, you can hit the gym, it's going to boost both, it's not going to cause a lot of side effects, and you can put on some good lean muscle with it, it's not going to aromatize into a ton of water, 
So I really like equipoise as a very flexible option for most of you out there. Um, and you could take the equipoise, for example, let's say 500 milligrams a week, run a low dose of testosterone with it to give it a little kick. And then you could add in some Anovar. Anovar is a wonderful option. I know you're going to talk about Anovar, Mobster, but T-Ball is a very cheap option too. And T-Ball, you can get some good quality lean muscle mass. It does not aromatize. So I really like that stack. If you really want to do a slow, steady cycle with minimal side effects, I like that. Moderate equipoise, low dose test, and then throw in some T-Ball. It's not going to be an expensive cycle either. I'm not doing this to sell you guys a bunch of steroids, unlike most of the other people out there that are uh, trying to uh, do podcasts like this. No, I'm going to tell you the cheapest and the most effective thing to do. And that would be a cheap option for those of you that won't break the bank and you won't get side effects very much on this cycle. You will get side effects on all these steroids, but you're not going to get tremendous side effects on this cycle. So I think it's a good option. Check out what what, uh, Steve says. Don't take it at face value. As we said, there are podcasts out there that will give you information with the products that they're pushing. Check out what we're saying. Windstroll is a great one for dry gains with some individuals, but it comes with the the potential for drying out your joints, so it can be uncomfortable. But again, if your diet's in control, one more tip, Steve, when it comes to the diet, and and I will obviously talk about Anavar before we get to the last topic. Don't have crap in the house, guys. When you're doing lean gains, don't have donuts and cakes and biscuits and stuff around the house. I've mentioned this as a tip before. Clear out your cupboards of all the crap and just have good stuff in the house. And um, I, my tip was that back in the day, even with a Sustan Decker, which I absolutely loved and made my appetite absolutely unbelievable, like Steve said, I would have to go and get the junk food. It wasn't in the house. And if I was lazy or I was tired after training, I wasn't motivated to get off my ass and go and get the junk food. So therefore, I could only eat clean. There's a tip for you. 100% agree with Anavar. I've told about this multiple times on podcast again. I've mentioned the Sustan Decker, and I said, when it comes to Anavar, I would gain a pretty much average air around five pounds. And it was a great strengthening for me, which is why I use it. I've just started a cycle of Anavar today, in fact. Uh, but it was always a great strengthener and increased my power the strength tough that I like to do versus me graining loads and loads of muscle, I would put on five pounds and I would anticipate doing the exact same thing right now. The last thing, Steve, and this is more reference to water weight than to, to fatty tissue, and that is the use of aromatized inhibitors. Now, we will say, sometimes see guys that don't until they get signs of guano or they start to bloat. I've never done that. I've always used an AI from day one. Now, I'll let Steve touch on the best and what ones seem to work for most people and then come back at the end of that. Yeah, so the one I recommend, Aromacin, it's modern. It's good with IGF-1. It doesn't have side effects. It's not going to make you moody, and it's gentle. So if you run Aromacin, if you're using any type of aromatizing compound, a moderate dose of tests, Dianabol, Anything that aromatizes, okay? It's good to use an AI. It's mandatory to use an AI. Otherwise, you're going to blow up. You're not going to like the way you look. You're going to get and turn into a bloated mess. So aromacin is a gentle, gentle aromatized inhibitor. Um, the other aromatized inhibitors out there, Arimidex, it's a good option too. It's cheap. It's widely available. But it's not as good as aromacin because aromacin is a suicide AI. 
So that means it's permanently disabling that enzyme. And Aromidix does not. So Aromas is your number one option. Electro is another AI. Some of the old, outdated guys in the fitness industry, um, you know, they'll be gone in another five years, 10 years, and they'll stop, you know, talking their bro science, but they'll tell you to take Letro out of ignorance. And Letro is not one you want to take. It's too harsh, slams your estrogen too low. So it's a really, really dumb one uh, to use. You can keep it on hand just in case something happens and you need an AI out of an emergency situation. But really, you should never need Letro because there's really no need for you to ever be in an emergency situation. I mean, if you come on our forums, it's uh, easily accessible to get Aromasin. So there's really no need to uh, ever need Letro. So the only the only way I would see Letro being an option is if, let's say, you bought aromasin from your buddy at the gym. You ran a steroid cycle. You ran a bunch of testosterone and D-bowl. And then it turned out that aromasin was fake. So then you're like, you're 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 getting gynecomastia and it's you're getting water weight and you don't know what to do. So in that case, you can take some Letro and you can slam your estrogen back down. And then you'd be you'd be good to go. All right. So Mobster, why don't you um tell us uh, some final tips and take us into the disclaimer? It's a great show. Yeah, so one final tip, and I'll definitely echo what Steve said just now about the choice of AI. Guys, the, 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 the bro science was always that sometimes a use of an AI was inhibiting your gains. Here we're talking about lean gains, not being watery, not being fat. I would rather lose the potential pound or two that I might have gained and not have to deal with gyno and not have to deal with uh, messy, ugly bloating and water and all that kind of stuff my final tip steve is be lean to start with guys this applies both to estrogen control and specifically obviously to lean gains which are both the topics of today's podcast in terms of water weight and being fat and gaining fat on cycle be lean to start with don't don't start and again it's not unusual steve as you know the average person that walks up and down the street man or woman or fatter more obese, heavier than they have been in previous generations. That's just a statement of fact. That's not me being particularly un unkind or whatever else. It's just we are bigger, we are taller, but we're also fatter and more likely to be out of condition. And that will also be true of users of performance-enhancing drugs. We see this from time to time. If a user comes on, if a member comes on and they're 30% body fat, one of the first things we say is get that fat down, lower your percentage of body fat before you go on cycle. This is especially true if you're looking to get what we call lean or dry gains or less issues with water. Being lean to start with is the best way forward. Now, on that particular subject, as a final tip, start your diet and start your training and your supplements ahead of the performance enhancing drugs that you're going to use. In other words, have a 16 or 20 week plan of which eight to 12 weeks includes anabolic steroids or some sort of fat control and brutal peptides, whatever that you've decided your cycle is going to be. And the other eight weeks is a run up. You start to get that body fat down, you start to get into shape, and then you introduce the drugs. Don't start on the day kind of out of shape, 20% body fat, and introduce your drugs. You'll get better results. 
leaner results with the kind that we've referred to in this podcast, dry gains, lean gains, quality muscle tissue, if you already started, like if you already started that program of getting into shape ahead of frigging in the drugs in the ways that we suggested. As always, please note we are not doctors and the opinions on these shows are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies. <laughs>